So the beginning, it says this. Let's, let's go back a little bit. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In case any of you wonder uh, how I record the services, it's through my phone. And so if something's going on or messing up, then I want to make sure I can get the service to you guys. Amen? I'm going to need some response this morning. Amen. I, I know people are tired. My wife came home at 2 in the morning. I'm, I, she's tired. She did. She was helping. She was helping with people and stuff. And and I I went to bed and and it started to rain. I know there was big thunder and lightning last night. I know people are tired, right? She woke me up at two. In the, I'm tired. She did. She woke me up. She she said the door won't shut. I said don't worry about it. Just go to sleep. The door won't shut. Oh. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Holy, acceptable to God. I love how the message version paraphrases this. Listen to this. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. With God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life, and you place it before God as an offering. That's what it means to be a living sacrifice. In everything we do, we give it to God. Amen? In everything we do, that's a tough mission. That's a tough mission when we consider how wrapped up we are in our days. When we consider how wrapped up, just just think about your days this last week. Just this last week, how busy were your days? Steve, how filled, what was, what was your week like? Crazy. How many had a crazy week this last week? I mean, just filled up. How many can admit that sometimes we are up from sunup to sundown and in the busyness of our day, we get wrapped up in everything that sometimes we just don't acknowledge God? Right? We just get wrapped up in everything. There's some people that have different kind of jobs and, and, and you can kind of start a little later or start a little earlier or, or you go to bed a little later or you go to bed earlier and, and you just have the time to where you can just engage in his presence. But a lot of people just from sunup to sundown, it's you're going, 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 going because it is a busy life, right? It is a busy life. But Paul says, I beseech you. I plead with you is what he's saying. He says, I urge you. By the mercy of God, with an understanding that it's only by His mercy, present yourself to Him in all that you do as holy and righteous. We've talked about what it means to be righteous, to be in right standing with God. Lord, it's only by Your blood that was shed that I am made righteous, right? Amen? Present ourselves to Him. I present myself to God. I present my work to God today. That's an, this is an interesting sidebar. I want to talk about work. Say work. It's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad one. Amen? Work. I present my work to you today. How many ever thought about presenting their work to the Lord? When you think about presenting your work to the Lord, I want to, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about... Some, most of you know that I used to sell Honda. I used to uh, sell Honda cars. And I remember when I was working at selling cars, man, I was just feeling down in the dumps. I was. I was just feeling down in the dumps. I only saw it's just a job. It's just a job. 
It's all I could do. It was high pressure. It was demanding. There was long hours. And honestly, while it was fun at times, I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I just knew. I'm, I'm called to minister and preach. Amen. Thank you, Mary. But that's, that was my mindset. I knew I was meant to preach. And, and one day I had a conversation with a guy who was in the business, and he was a good Christian guy, a really good Christian guy. I was talking to him about my frustrations because I was frustrated. I was frustrated. He's, I was talking to him about my frustrations when he, he said something that I knew, but I needed a little bit of reminding of. I wasn't just there to sell cars. I was there to minister to people. Amen? Wherever God has placed you, wherever you are in your life right now, you're not just there to be in the school system. You're there to minister to people. Amen? You're not just there on your job at McDonald's. You're there to minister to people. You're not just there... Where Ashley's not here right now, but I was going to say Hardy's. So, oh, hey. <laughs> Hardy's. So, I like the mocha shakes. They're good. You make nothing. It's all right. <laughs> There's wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, amen. Sometimes here's the thing, here's what I would do. When he said when when he said they reminded me of that, I something shifted. Something shifted. As much as I wanted to pastor somewhere, I was determined to minister in my circumstance. I was going to minister to my customers the best I could. You say, Pastor David, how do you how do you uh, minister to your customers? How do you minister to, to someone you're selling a car to? It was interesting because I wasn't always successful, right? How many know that we aren't always successful? How many know that sometimes we just have off days? Sometimes we just have bad days. But it began to blow my mind how God allowed me to minister to the people that I came across. You get pretty funny looks from people when you sell them a car and then you say, hey, can I pray over you and pray over your car? Say, pray over my car? What are you talking about? No, no, that's just the end. That's just the door. I pray that this car would take you from point A to point B. I pray it would take you to work, that you would be blessed at your job. I pray that it would be blessed to your family. I pray that it would provide safety for you and your family. And I go in and start praying over them. I pray over this guy and this guy. And, and you get some pretty funny looks. And some people were like, yeah, absolutely. And some people were like, yeah, no, 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 thanks. I'm good. And so then you just lay a hand on and say, Lord, just bless him. And people go, oh, that's, that's kind of weird. You get funnier looks when a customer, you know, there's sometimes, not all the time, but there's sometimes where a customer can be irate. How many have ever had a, an irate customer? How many have ever been an irate customer? <laughs> Anybody here from Dairy Queen? <laughs> Uh, if you're not inside the joke, it's okay. You'll get there. Uh, you know what? It's funny that because this guy, this guy came in. He became. He was super irate. He was like screaming at our receptionist, yelling, "I want to see a manager now." He was mad, madder than all get out. So what I did is, uh, he was screaming at the manager, or screaming at the receptionist. I said, "Excuse me, sir. First of all, you don't talk to her like that." If you have a problem, we can go outside and we can talk about it. And he was just mad. All right, fine. So he follows me outside. I looked at him. I said, sir, can I ask you a question? Do you know Jesus? He goes, what? 
I said, no, here's the thing. It just seems like you have no joy in your life. And it seems, you know, Jesus, I want to introduce you to someone who will bring you joy. I want to introduce you to someone who will bring you joy. If you want to see a funny look, a funny look replaced by a look of panic, a funny look replaced by a look of panic replaced by a guy jumping in his car and speeding out of the drive as fast as he can. That's what this guy did. I said, sir, you have no joy in your life. It was funny. But you say, pastor, why does this matter? Why? Because whatever I do, everything I do, I have to do it to the Lord. Amen? Whatever you're doing, do it for the Lord. Pastor, I'm just in a nowhere job. I'm frustrated. I couldn't. I'm so frustrated I could spit. You ever get there? I've been there. I'm just so frustrated I could spit. Stop seeing it as just a job and start seeing it as your opportunity to serve the Lord. That's not just a job, that's your mission field. Amen? That's not just a job, it's your mission field. Present your work to the Lord and He will fulfill you in wherever He leads you. Amen? I, how many know there's some crummy jobs out there? Let's, let's be honest. There's some crummy jobs out there. I don't want to be sweeping up this and this and this. Are you kidding me? The Bible says this in Luke 16.10. That if you're faithful in little things, He'll make you ruler over much. Amen? You do, the, you do that crummy job the very best you can. You do it as a testimony to people. Somebody had said to me about being in a crummy job. And uh, he said, yeah, it's, it's going nowhere. It was funny. I was talking to him and he said, I just, I'm going to quit. I said, don't quit, get better. He said, what do you mean? I said, show up early. Don't ask for extra pay. Leave late. Work the hardest you can. Pretty soon they'll make you a manager. You want to change things? Change them from the inside. Do it the very best you can. And do it to the Lord. Depend, don't depend on your charm and charisma. Amen? Hey, I don't have a lot of it. Don't depend on your charm of Christmas. Depend on His mercies. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says this, they are new every morning. Amen? How many know I, I mess up sometimes? But His mercies are new every morning. Hey, and guess what else? That's just verse 1 of Romans chapter 12. Just verse 1. We're, it, it took about 20 minutes to get there. Hey, guess what? Alright, here we go. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Man, this, 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 these verses are rich. Like I could preach on every one for a long time. Amen? I know no one's going to say amen to that. We might just have a crossover service this morning. We might go from a morning to evening service. And if people get hungry, we'll order pizza. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. The Bible says it like this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well-adjusted in your culture that you give into it. You're involved with it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Set your eyes upon Jesus. There you'll be changed from the inside out. There you'll be changed from the inside out. Don't be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed. How easy is it to just go with the flow? I had a, um, someone told me this a long time ago. They said, uh, they were telling, talking to a pastor, and they said to the pastor, boy, I'm just struggling with sin. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, I'm just, they're, they're just struggling with sin. They struggle with, uh, you know, cussing people out when they get mad and they get angry really fast and they just, they're struggling with sin and they're struggling with whether it be pornography or whatever it was. And, and, and he, he said to them, no, you're not. And I kind of listened. I went, what? He said, you're not struggling with it. It's easy to give in to that stuff. It's easy to do that. It's easy to go with the flow of culture. What you're struggling about is your commitment to God. That's what people struggle with. They're not struggling with sin. They're struggling with whether or not God is their priority in their life. That's a tough one. How easy is it to just go with the flow? Say, well, this is the world that I'm living in. The Bible says don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Be changed by the renewing of your mind. I like, I like this. How many, how many remember this world is not my home? I'm just a passing through. How many know the words? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Amen? I can't feel at home in this. Stop letting the culture and the world dictate your faith and how you're going to live it out. Stop letting the world and the culture dictate your faith. How are you, how do you do that? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Pastor David, what does that mean? It means you read your word, you spend time in prayer, you meditate on his promises. Turn off your distractions. That's a big one today. Turn off your distractions. Allow him to renew your mind by fellowshipping with him. Fellowship with him. Verse 3 says this. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Paul here speaks to the high and mighty. How many ever know someone that's kind of high and mighty? The proud, right? He says, hold on, it's not about what we do for God, it's about what He's done for us. It's not about what we get to do for God. I'm doing this for... No, 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 it's about what He's done for us. Some of us... Now, I want to say it this way. In this way, we are all on equal ground. Amen? It's not about what we're doing for God, it's about what God has done for us. And so we're on equal ground there. Now... Some of us, including myself as the pastor uh, and, and leadership in the church, we're in positions of what's known as authority or power, right? But that's never something to be prideful of. That should never be something to be prideful of. It's something to be humbled by. Why? Because when we all recognize that it's only by the grace of God that we're here, it's only by the grace of God that we have salvation. We stand equally despite what our position may be. Whatever our position may be, when it comes down to it, we stand equally before God. 
Paul says this, but then he starts to go and speak to those different positions and their functions. Verse 4 says this, For as we have many members of the body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. The analogy here is simple. We are on equal footing before Christ, but we have different functions within the body of Christ. Amen? How many know that some people have different functions in the body of Christ? Verse 6 says this, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. I like the way that the message uh, translation paraphrases this. It says this, if you preach, just preach God's message, nothing else. If you help, just help, don't take over. Amen? If you teach, stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Amen? I like that. Every one of you has a gift that God has given you. You have, there's a function for you within the body. Amen? There's a function for you within the body. We should use them together so that it works. In this body, in this body, this body of believers, some are called to teach. Some are called to help. Some are called to encourage. And, and some are called to give, right? Some are gifted with mercy. My question is this, what is your gifting? What is your gifting? If you know it, use it for the body of Christ. Amen? If you know your gifting, use it for the body of Christ. I don't say this in a prideful way, in any way. But God has set me up as the head and the mouthpiece of this church. God has set me up as the pastor, as the head and the mouthpiece of this church, right? It amazes me and humbles me. Honestly, uh, I remember sitting in Georgia, sitting on my back deck. It was just after Dale had called me and said, uh, we, we want you to come as our pastor. We voted. It's unanimous. We want you here. I sat on my back deck and freaked out. I said, God, are you kidding me? Why would, why would God use me? I knew what I'd been called to my whole life, but never did I think that God would use me. It amazed me and humbled me that God would use me as a mouthpiece. It's only been in the three, it's, but, but listen to this, it's only been about, I've been the, the pastor here for a little over three years now. Almost three and a half years in, in December. That's my, you know, God has only used me as that in that aspect in this church for that long. And now that's been my gifting, but it's probably not yours. 
Well, there's a lot of people who don't uh, like to speak in public. How many people do not like to speak in public? How many people don't like to even raise your hands in public? <laughs> right? What has God gifted you to do, and how are you using that gift? I, it's, it's interesting that when I was growing up in church, even before I was a pastor, before I was in ministry, God was using me to speak and sing. God was using me to use my mouth all the time. Just I was God's mouthpiece, and, and, and I didn't understand where it was going, even as a kid. People said to me in high school, hey, how do you speak the way that you do? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you can just get up in front of the class and just talk. You can just, you can speak and it's just, it's, it's like natural for you. I said, he said, how do you do that? Please teach me how. I said, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand what you're talking about. That's, that's been my gifting. What has God gifted you with? Some of you are gifted in music or singing. Amen? Hey, how many know some of you aren't? Come on. Right? Some of you, God is gifted with music and singing. Some of you are gifted to work with kids. How many here are gifted to work with kids? Well, how many of you aren't? Gary? (laughs) I just saw a bunch of hands go up there like, no. Some of you are gifted with helping others and giving of yourself. How many know some people that just give of themselves everything they do? They just give of themselves. That's, That's their gifting. Some of you are gifted, hey listen, some of you are gifted with leadership and God wants to use you in your gift for the good of the body. It's important that we recognize our gift and use it to the glory of God. How many know that nobody has all the gifts? Nobody has all the gifts. I can't do it without you and vice versa. Amen? I can't do ministry, I can't do what I do without your gifts. Some of us have gifts that God is working on and he's bringing us to a place of maturity to use those gifts properly. We have gifts, but we aren't, we aren't mature enough to use them properly. If we'll allow him to mature us, I'm telling you, to, to whack away at those things that need to be taken off of our lives. To mold us and shape us. Don't fight against it. Go with it. Amen? In the same subject, subject, don't try and insert yourself where there's no gifting or where God has already placed somebody. Don't, don't try to do what you're not gifted at. All that does is cause pain in the body. All that does is cause pain in the body. I want to give you a clear example of this. Uh, how many said they aren't gifted with kids? A few people, right? That's okay. Uh, some of you are, some of you aren't. It would be a wild experiment. Let me think about this. Jenny, what do you think about this experiment? Next week, how, how, many, can, how many here can say you can sing? How many here think you, how, how many here believe you can sing? Okay, how many are going to be honest and say, I can't sing? I can't carry a tune in a bucket. All right? How many, okay, so how many raise your hands? You can't sing. Okay, you're the worship team next week. You got this? How, how many would say you, you can't? I mean, uh, next week you're on the worship team. Jenny, you're on drums. Can you play drums? Exactly. It's not your gifting, right? That would be a wild experiment just to, just to put everybody where, the, where they're not supposed to be, right? So uh, Gary and Dale, you guys are going to lead children's ministry next week. Uh, 
You guys are going to... Actually, let's make it for the next month. That'd be good. Where's, where's Tim? Where's Tim Screepeg? No? Tina, you're going to preach next week. <laughs> Tina. Yeah, yeah. Austin's the week after. So it's all right. We're going to... We're going we're gonna, to... Now, listen. I know... Yeah, I'm just kidding, really. But uh, you know, in a pinch, sometimes we have to use... We have to use in ministry. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm not really gifted for this, but boy, I'll help out, you know. The ideal is that the body works in harmony according to the giftings that God has given us. Amen? That's the ideal. In case you're wondering, we are not going to be doing that experiment. (laughs) Gary, you can breathe a sigh of relief. I can just imagine all the people that would call in sick that week. (laughs) Like, oh, something's come over me. We're going to move on, but let me say this. You may have a gifting and feel like it's not being used. And if you do, come talk to me. Come talk to me. I want people to be to, to use their gifting. For some, it will take time and maturity. It does. But be faithful in what you're doing now, and God will place you over much. Amen? Amen. Be faithful in what you're doing now, and God will place you over much. Uh, this next... So that's 6 through 8. Go to the next verse. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 9, it is just good, practical, godly wisdom. It is just awesome. Paul shifts gears into speaking about what it means, the traits of a Christian. What are the traits of a Christian? What does a Christian sound like? What does a Christian look like? One commentator said this, This section shows us one thing clearly. Paul knew the teaching of Jesus, especially the Sermon on the Mount. It says this, verse 9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in in honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, and giving to hospitality. From verse 9 to almost the end of the book of Romans, Paul gives clear instruction to the church as a whole on what it means to be a Christian. What is our responsibility? What is our responsibility? What is our burden? How many know that that word burden is kind of a strange word to use in service to God? What is our burden? It may sound strange in this context, but the word is appropriate because it it deals with the weight that our faith carries. It deals with the weight that our faith carries. We aren't just dealing with the now of people's lives. Amen? Come on, we are dealing with eternity. We aren't just dealing with the now, we're dealing with forever. There's a weight, there's a burden to doing ministry. We're dealing with eternal consequences. Love without hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Most of what's said throughout these scriptures doesn't even need to be expounded on. It's just clear. It's straight cut. Paul speaks clearly to the church. And then he says this in verse 14. Go to the next slide. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Somebody say amen. Do not be wise in your own opinion. With all the plain things that are being said here, with all the plain things that are being said, some of these may not make any natural sense. Naturally sense. Bless those who persecute you. Wait a second. Wait a second. Bless those who persecute you. Are you sure that's right? Because that flies in the face of a culture that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? When we say bless those who persecute you, it may not make sense. And it might be the most difficult thing that we do in our lives. But there is a purpose in it. Verse 17 says this. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. That's interesting. We're going to get to that. What does that mean, give place to wrath? For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay it, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay it, says the Lord. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I think Paul's kind of talking a little crazy here. Go to the go to the slide just before that one. Bless those who persecute you. Yeah, you know, no, Paul's talking crazy. Paul's Paul's off on a bender right now. All right, he, he doesn't he doesn't understand what he's writing. Bless those who persecute you. If we look at this by the world's standards, this looks crazy. This looks nuts. Why would we bless our enemies? Why would we bless those who persecute us? How does this make sense? But I want to say this to you. It is truth. Truth spoken in an upside down world will seem crazy to those who are not right side up. Truth, when spoken in an upside down world, will seem crazy to those who are not right side up. But Pastor David, you don't understand what people have done to me. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know what they've done to people I love. Pastor David, you don't understand the pain that I've been in. The agony that I've been in because of people. Pastor, I, I just, I, I just want to kill them. Have you ever been there? I've been there. I know people who have been there. I've been there. I think many of us have been there. Some have been there to the extreme. The circumstances in your life, the chaos in your life is just, you think it's caused by a specific person or a people group. Man, I hate them. I can't imagine the the pain that some of you guys have gone through. I can't imagine the agony that some of you have gone through because of the acts of others. But I know that this is what God has spoken to us. Don't repay evil for evil. If it's possible, live peaceably with everyone. You may have heard the story before, but if you've heard it, please forgive me. I'm going to say it again. Uh... I remember working with somebody that I hated. 
Man, I hated this person. I couldn't stand them and they couldn't stand me. You say, Pastor David, you're such a nice guy. Are you sure? No, no, I'm sure. I couldn't stand this guy. He couldn't stand me. I couldn't stand him. We were, if, if there was mortal enemies, it was me against this person. I used to think of ways to make their day miserable. I mean, I used to, I, I couldn't stand him. He could, I used to think of ways, man, how can I just, just twist that knife a little bit, right? I was meeting with a men's group and we started talking about the subject of vengeance. And I began to feel convicted over what was clearly sin in my life. It's clearly sin. I had disregarded the person as evil and worthless. I disregard, I mean, the person just, I couldn't stand him, he couldn't stand me. I just said, oh, that guy's evil, he's worthless. Uh, Nothing to do with him. But God spoke something to me that it, it broke me, and it was this. They are made in my image. And I died for them, just like I died for you. They are made in my image, and I died for them, just like I died for you. It changed my entire outlook on this person. It changed my entire outlook. And then, instead of trying to make their day miserable, I started to do things for them. Instead of trying to make their day miserable, I started doing things for them. I I, I spoke to them better. I, I loved them better. Amen? I spoke to them better. I loved them better. Do you want to know what happened? They got worse. <laughs> they got worse. They got even more vile and vicious. But God has a purpose. Amen? And even if they don't change, you will. Paul tells us this in the last few verses of chapter 12. It says this in verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. The more good things I did for this guy, the madder he got. The more, the more that I loved him better, the more that I was more Christ-like towards him, he just became more vile and vicious. I was heaping coals upon his head. It says this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is how we overcome, overcome our enemies in this world. Because in truth, we have enemies in this world. In truth, we do have enemies in this world. People, there's people that hate Christians. Absolutely hate us because of our faith. There's people that want to destroy us because of our, because of our faith. There's people maybe in your neighborhood that, that can't stand you. Somebody, somebody uh, said this to me. I thought this was really good. Man, they aren't mad at you. They're mad at Christ shining out from within you. And then it's aimed at you. They become your enemy. They, I mean, they talk bad about you. They backbite. They gossip. They do everything they can to ruin your day. And if you let them, you've lost. Don't let them ruin your day. Don't, don't let them make you hate them. 
It should have, we should have compassion for them. This is how we overcome our enemies in this world. It says this, with good. That just uh, that seems like a real simple explanation, doesn't it? The simplicity of it. But man, that's profound. If we just stopped hating people. This is what Jesus taught and it's what Paul reiterates. There's a deep lesson here that is convenient to overlook because it's convenient to want to hurt those who hurt you. It is. It's convenient to want to to want to hit them right back, right? It's tough to follow verse 19 and give the right place to wrath. Verse 19 we talked about gives the right place to wrath. What does that mean? What's the right place of wrath? You're angry, you're upset, you're, you're mad, you're frustrated. What is the right place to give that wrath? You give it to God. We lay it at His feet. We let Him fight the battle for us. Amen? Why? Because remember Jesus said this in John 16, 33. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that Christ has overcome the world? This is what I love about Romans chapter 12 and going all the way through 16. It's good, practical wisdom for Christian living. It is just good, practical. Man, are we always successful? No. I don't know anybody that's always successful. We all have off days. We all mess up. We all trip up. But we we get back up, remember? We move forward in righteousness. Being righteous doesn't mean that you never trip up. It means that you get back up and you keep going forward. Amen? If you'll stand with me this morning. He is made perfect in our weakness. Remember that even when we are weak, He is strong. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank You for those who are here. Lord, I pray over each one of them that that they would be used in their gifting. Lord, I thank You for the gifts that are present in this building right now. Lord, I pray that You would, that you would call people out to, to minister in different areas within this body. To use the gifting. Lord, I thank You for the good, practical, Christian wisdom that Paul gives us in Romans. Lord, that we would read it, that we would take it, that we would live by it. Let us be examples of you in our life. Lord, I pray over this next week, Lord, that even though it's filled from sun sun up to sundown, Lord, that we would acknowledge you. Lord, that we would spend time with you, that we would have our minds renewed and transformed by your presence. Let us read your word. Let us engage you in prayer. Lord, remind us, move us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.